You are listening to the Galena Missions Podcast, the preaching ministry of Galena Bible Church. Follow along as we study God's Word together. And turning toward Romans 12, 1-2, because that is where we'll be looking at. Um, today we'll be looking at this passage, and it's going to give us insight on how to live a spiritually alive life. How to live in a spiritually alive manner. Having a close, growing, enriching relationship with Christ. Oftentimes it feels like we go through dry spells in our life, or we, are, we feel like we're on cruise control, but what if I told you it doesn't have to be that way? In fact, it's not supposed to. As we read in John 7:38, he who believes in me, as all the scripture says in the past, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. This is what Jesus says in Romans, uh, sorry, John 7:13. So we'll go ahead and read our passage here, Romans 12:1-2, and I tend to use the New King James Version if it sounds a little bit different. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God which is your reasonable act of service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So first we'll be looking at, right on the onset, what Paul says here right at the beginning. He says, I beseech you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. Paul is pleading to his hearers the importance of the principle of what he's going to say next, which is that you present your body as a living sacrifice, he's pleading to his hearers the importance of a surrender to God, of presenting your bodies a sacrifice to God. The message of this kind of living, the kind of lifestyle, the kind of growing relationship with Jesus that Paul is about to convey is vital to that of a healthy Christian. Jesus talks about it in several different occasions. He talks a little bit about it in John 15. And he emphasizes the importance of one who is truly dedicated to serving the Father, that he needs this kind of sacrificial surrender, this abiding in the life of Christ, this abiding in the will of God. We can do nothing in of ourselves, We, by ourselves, cannot please God. We must abide in Christ. We must present ourselves as a sacrifice to Christ for him to do his perfect will in us. Throughout this passage in John 15, 1 through 8, Jesus is basically talking about, okay, you in of yourselves cannot do good to please God. It has to be through the abiding in Christ in order for you to be able to do anything that could please God. Because we, in of ourselves, do not have what it takes to please God. It has to be something done through the Holy Spirit. But how exactly do you do that? So first here we learn that there is great importance in surrendering to God. We have next in our passage that Paul is talking about. He says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice to God, holy, acceptable to God. We need to surrender completely to God. This is what Paul is pleading for his hearers to do, to give themselves to God in such a way 
that they relinquish hold of their lives. This is something that we need to do. We need to give ourselves wholly to God in such a way that we are relinquishing hold over our own lives. It needs to be given to God. This cannot be a partial thing. We have to give every part of our lives to Christ. Our thoughts, our actions, our desires, our words, our everything, it must all be given and done for the glory of God in a way that would please God. 100% of our life. And here's the thing with this kind of surrender, this kind of self-sacrifice, it has to be 100%. If you hold on into any part of your life, if you say, oh, I'll give God all this part of my life, but I'll just hold on to this, this little section. Yeah, we'll get there eventually. Maybe I'll come to the point where I'll give this to God, but I'll hold on to this. The, the, the problem with that is you're still in the position of where you're telling God, you can have this part of my life, but you can't have this, which still puts you in the position of telling God what he can and cannot do with your life. In other words, if God doesn't have full control of your life, if God doesn't have full authority of your life, he really doesn't have any. If you haven't given him full authority of your life, you haven't given him any authority of your life. If you decide to withhold any part of your life from God when he says you must give it all, then guess what? You deciding to hold on to any part of it is full disobedience to God. To decide that you will give some parts of your life to God and not other parts still leaves you as the only one telling God what he can and cannot do with your life. If I were to use an example, um, let's say, for instance, this chair is your life. And you decide, okay, actually, I think it would be better if I have someone else up here. Oh, well, that, there's an idea. I didn't think about that. Could I have a volunteer? <laughs> Marcus, you want to volunteer? <laughs> he just got volunteered military style. So let's say Marcus is Jesus. I know that's heresy. He's not Jesus, but this, this chair is my life. And I'm deciding that... I'm the one who's in control of my life, and I'm going to decide who makes the decisions and what's going to happen. But, you know what? Jesus, you can have control of my life. This is, this is something that you can do from now on. But, oh, actually, um, <laughs> sorry. I, I actually, I, there, there's, some, there's a couple things I still want to do. I, I still want to have some fun in these areas. There's some things I want to do. But actually, you know, that, that didn't go so well, so I'll let you have, no. <laughs> So, the, so <laughs> as you can see from this example, you deciding when God can have control of your life and when he can't still puts you in charge of who's in control of your life. If you don't give yourself completely over to God, then you really haven't given yourself completely, you haven't given yourself really to him in the first place. In other words, Christ is asking for an all or nothing type of situation here. So what Paul is saying here, offering ourselves a living sacrifice, is something that we need to do completely. We need to surrender completely to God. And then we come to the next part of what Paul is saying here. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice to God, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Which is reasonable, but it's, it's pretty hard. 
We have here a quote from Jim Elliott, he's no fool, who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. It does make sense that if Jesus gives his whole life for you, he literally died for you, it, it makes sense, it, it is very reasonable that what we should offer in return is our life. A life for a life. It, it makes sense, but it is hard. It's really a lot easier said than done, mostly because it requires a lot of trust in God, and it goes so much against the grain of our selfishness and our desires. It is really hard to fully trust someone to the point where you can give your life completely up to that other person. Like I said, it is reasonable. Jesus loved us so much that he did give up his life for us. What should we give in return? If we truly love God, then yeah, we would give our lives completely in service to Him. But it is hard because it requires that much trust. If you're giving that much, it does require that much trust in the other person that you are giving your life in complete surrender to. It is very worrisome to give your life completely to someone else. But the funny thing about worrying about things is it's, it's like a rocking chair. You know, it gives you something to do without actually getting you anywhere. But why should it be so difficult? Again, as Jim Elliott said, he's no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. You're going to die anyway. But you will, if you live in Christ, be living in eternity with God. So it is worth the price that you are to pay to give up your entire life for Christ. One of my... uh newer favorite um, authors I've been reading lately um, and my, my siblings sent me a giant book of all the collected works of Andrew Murray. But one of the things he said in his book, Humility, Christ found this life of complete surrender, of absolute submission and dependence on God's will. He lost nothing by giving everything to God. He lost nothing by giving everything to God. Sometimes it feels a little bit weird to use Jesus as an example because, oh, he, you know, he's, he's, he's God. No, of course he can live the perfect life. Of course he can live this way. But Jesus is the perfect example that we can use to model our lives by because we have that, that scene of the perfect man who was completely human but also completely God that we can model our lives after. And like Andrew Murray says, he lost nothing by giving everything to God put that in conjunction with Jim Elliot said because our lives are not our own in the first place we can't hold on to them then you're really losing nothing if you do give your life completely over to Christ and I'm not talking about something just the the beginning of your journey where you accept Christ into your life believing of in his sacrifice and coming to salvation I'm talking about something a little bit more radical than that Something of the daily living. Something of the way how you live your everyday life. That's what abiding in Christ is. It's not simply something you believe. It's something that demands action. Something that takes an active part on what you're going to be doing. Am I living a life that is pleasing to God? It's not just the start of the journey. It's not just you stepping through the gate. Uh, we've been reading Pilgrim's Progress with uh, Kids Club and Pilgrim's Progress at, at the beginning of the journey he walks through the gate 
the gate of salvation. And he starts the journey. But salvation is just the beginning of the journey. It's a continual process as you seek to please God, as you seek to live a life of sacrificial, self-denying surrender to the Holy God because he doesn't demand anything less than for you to give your entire life for him daily, constantly, in everything that you do. And in the end, it does come to a simple trust. You have to trust God's way. We have Proverbs 3, 5, through 6, which you guys may be very familiar with. Trust the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll direct your paths. You have to trust God's way. You have to trust his wisdom. It says in Isaiah 40, 28, that his understanding is unsearchable. It says in Jeremiah 29, 11, 13, it says, I know the thoughts, or in the ESV it says, I know the plans that I have toward you, says the Lord. Thoughts of good and not evil, of evil to give you a future and a hope. You have to trust that God, in his infinite wisdom, understanding all things at all times, knows what is the best thing for you. And you have to trust his timing. It says in Acts 1.7, that it is not for us to know the times or season as it is given for the Father to understand. And we have to trust his faithfulness. Psalm 119.105 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. That it's not lighting up the entire, it's not like a lighthouse where it's lighting up everything along the way. You're not going to fully understand everything that God wants you to do. You're not going to understand everything that God has given you to do. But he is faithful to always show what you need for the very next thing, for the very next day, for the very next thing that you need to do. He is constantly faithful. I've, I, I've not lived a very long life, but to this point, God has never left me with no clear direction for what I need to do next. As it says in, oh, what's the, uh, uh, Psalm 37:25. I've been young and now I'm old. Not, not, not for me, but I've been young and now I'm old, yet I've not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his descendants to begging bread. I don't think that completely applies to me because I'm not old yet, but the passage here in the Psalm, I think it's 37:25, where he's saying, God is always faithful. He will always be faithful. So we can. We can be trusting God's way. We can trust his wisdom. We can trust his timing. We can trust his faithfulness. I believe that we know that. But do we truly believe that? We know we can trust God. But do we actively trust God in a way we live our lives? Let me put it this way. Would your life look different if you trusted God completely in these ways? In every aspect of life, in in the living surrender to God, would your life look different if you completely trusted God, trusted His way, trusted His wisdom, trusted His faithfulness? Surrender is reasonable, but is hard. Moving on to the next section in our our passage here. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a reasonable, uh, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable act of service, and do not be conformed to this world. We are called to a greater standard of living. The life of a mature Christian is one who is actively seeking God's will done, not their own. 
Because we are seeking to please God, seeking to bring Him glory, desiring that which He desires, naturally we will look different than those who are living for themselves. If we are truly seeking God's will done, seeking to have His glory spread, seeking to do His pleasure, we will obviously live different lives. Our lives will look different than those who are not doing the same. Our lives will not look like those who are living simply to please themselves. It may be uncomfortable. It will take sacrifice. But it is worth it. My pastor in Michigan puts it this way. The happiest person you will ever meet is one who is a Christian living for the Lord and has given himself completely over to God. Everything that he's doing, he's doing it for the Lord. He's seeking out whatever the Lord wants him to do. He's, he's pursuing whatever the Lord has for him. The second happiest person you'll ever meet is one who has not encountered the Lord and doesn't care. He's living for himself, doing whatever he wants to do. The most miserable person you will ever meet is someone who is a Christian but is not actively living for the Lord. We are not to emulate, emulate sorry, anyone but Christ, who, remember, did not live even for himself. He did not live to please simply those around him. He didn't live to please his boss. He was a carpenter. He, he might have had a boss who might have worked for himself. He, he did not live to please his parents. We saw that when he was a boy in the temple. He did not li- live to please his disciples or anyone else but the Father, as it says in John 6.38, For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but the will of him who sent me. Even Jesus did not live for himself. He lived for the glory of the Father. How much more should we? We are called to a greater standard of living. Clicker doesn't work all the time. (laughs) Again, now we're moving on to the next passage, uh, the next section of Scripture that we have in our passage that uh, Paul is talking about. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable act of service, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. One cannot remain unchanged when given completely over to Christ. The Greek word that's used here um, for tra- being to be transformed um, is, is the word metamorpho, which... Glad that enlightened you all, uh, which is very similar to uh, metamorphosis. Um, this is actually where we get our English word uh, metamorphosis. It was originally translated to Latin and now it comes to English, um, which is where it gets a similar to it. But what this word literally means, be transformed in Greek, means to be changed. There is a change that is indeed involved here what this passage is talking about. This is not something that you encounter and stay the same by. You do not become encountered by something as radical, as amazing as Christ, 
and your life is unaffected by it. Something will happen if you do not merely know, but truly believe what it is that Christ did for you. It's a slow process. You will constantly find more areas of selfishness, of pride, of resistance to the work that the Holy Spirit will do in you. But if you have those open hands of surrender to the holy work of God in your life, you will be changed. You'll find the things that you desire start more and more aligning with the desires of God's heart. As we read in Psalm 37.4, Delight yourself also in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Actually, in fact, you can read the entire 37th Psalm. This is a good parallel passage to uh, both this, this one, Romans 12, 1-2, and uh, John 15, 1-8. Psalm 37 talks a lot about this, delighting yourself in the Lord, and the Lord delighting in you, and meditating upon the statutes of God, and really just focusing on what God has said for you, and what God wants for you, and just desiring so much of the Lord, that what you want is the same thing as what God wants. Not because it's convoluted by our own thoughts, but because of the fact that you're so focused on Christ, that you just want to see Christ happy. You just want to see God happy with what you're doing, that what you want to do is the exact same thing as what God wants for you to do. This is not a passive thing. We don't just sit back and let this kind of surrender happen. This, this demands some kind of action. Remember, we are to present our bodies a living sacrifice. And we are to be transformed. Though God is the one doing the work, He can only work with a willing heart. Again, it's that open hands of surrender. We are so imperfect that we can't make ourselves holy. That, that's the work of God. That's God's business. Our business is to allow Him to work, opening our hands for God to be willing, to, for God to be able to work with us. The more we attempt to hold on to our lives, the less He's able to work with. In other words, it's really difficult to steer a parked bus. Okay, yeah, but what do we do with that? How do we do this? Oh, there's my Greek word. We're moving here to uh, Matthew 16:24. First, Jesus is talking about denying ourselves. This passage here talks about if anyone desires to follow me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. We must desire only the things of God for ourselves. Again, and then we have Psalm 37, 4, which is delighting yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. We read, uh, I have there also uh, Psalm 119, 33-40. This is a good passage of really understanding how to desire God. This passage talks about meditating in the scriptures. In fact, the entire Psalm 119 is really talking about this. There are massive amounts of scripture that you can find that really talk about the subject of just abiding in God, of surrendering yourself to Christ. And again, we have Jeremiah 29, 11-13. The whole passage says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of evil, no, thoughts of good and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and, and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me 
when you search for me with all your heart. And you will seek me, and you will find me, when you search for me with all your heart. Again, that's Jeremiah 29, 13. And then we have Psalm 37, 4 again. This is one of my favorite passages. This is why it keeps coming up. One cannot remain unchanged when given completely over to Christ. Now we come to what Paul says next. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable act of service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You can know the will of God for your life. God's will for you is to give yourself over completely to him. That has many different ways that it looks. It could be financially, mentally, physically, relationally. There's a lot of different avenues of what this must look like. Every area of your life needs to be given over to Christ. And again, like I said, this is very active on your part. Actively surrendering yourself to Christ, actively opening your hands in surrender. Okay, God, what do you want me to do with this? In other words, everything. Your daily living and your big living. Doing the dishes, doing it to please God, not simply just because uh, for, for your younger ones that your mom told you. Maybe for your older ones too, but... The work you do on a day-to-day basis, your relationships in your home, as well as deciding where to go to school, what career, what does God plan for you in that, for your, for your family, for starting a family, for a continuing family, whatever that looks like. God has a say in every area of your life. He wants you to live in a way that pleases Him. It says in Psalm 37:23, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and He delights in His way. Actually, I don't know if I have that one up there. Do I? Yes, I do. Notice how it's a capital He delights in His way. We have in Psalm 37, 4, delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Here we have God delighting in you. The, the principle of surrendering yourself to God turns into this very strong meshing relationship between you and God that your wills are now inseparable. Again, not because of what you do. All you do is surrender. And God is the one who is working this work. You are desiring, you are wanting God so much that the same things that please you are the same things that please God. You're delighting in God and God is delighting in you. You can please God but it is only through the work of the Holy Spirit. And it is only because you're surrendering yourself to God. Knowing God's will is not for yourself. It is to please God and to delight God. God reveals his will not for himself. It is for our benefit. Because the one who lives a life to please God lives a full life. It pleases God for us to pursue Him. 
It pleases God for us to pursue Him, to give Him glory. It pleases us, us to please God. It is not a selfish relationship. It is completely for the other person. This is the same picture that Paul gives of marriage and the relationship of Christ and His church. We read this in Ephesians 5. Uh, I don't remember the verses. But we read this in Ephesians 5 where Paul is talking about the relationship of Christ and the church, which is a parallel relationship of marriage, where um, we're talking about this sacrificial surrender to the other person. That's the only way a marriage can work. It's a hundred, a hundred. It's not a 50-50 kind of a deal. That's not what marriage is. It is one person completely dedicated to the other person. That's what Christ talks, that's what Paul talks about Christ's relationship with the church. That's what Paul talks about with uh, a husband's relationship with his wife and vice versa. It's also the same with our relationship with God. It's not a 50-50 ordeal. It's 100-100. Completely dedicated to the other person. That is the only way that it works. How to take head knowledge to practical steps. We just learned a little bit about what Paul is talking about here in Romans 12, 1-2. I beseech you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. How do we take what we know about surrendering to God to practical steps. It begins with the full surrender. Okay, God, what do you want me to do? Okay, God, how do you want me to live my life? It begins with the full surrender. It leads to a transformed mind. God is actively changing you into the person that he wants you to be, not what you want to be. And out of that flows the action that maintains growth. You can know the will of God. I have uh, a couple practical methods um, of some of the, the ways that you can understand the will of God. Um, this is, these are things that we find in Scripture. Um, but in the words of uh, my, my good friend Lukey back home in Michigan, whenever we would be done with a uh, youth group or whatever, and the elder has finished talking, Lukey would just put his hand up and he would be like, okay, that's cool, but what do we do? <laughs> Lukey is a very practical person. He's always looking for, okay, what? It's, it's nice to have all this head knowledge. It's nice to understand these things. You know, I have some of this understanding now, but okay, what do I do? Tomorrow, when I go home or when I go to work, what do I do? And yes, he does talk like that. <laughs> this is the part where you can wake back up and listen, because this this will kind of yours will be like a to-do list. I remember growing up many times hearing about abiding in Christ and becoming more like Jesus. The thing that always would go through my mind would be like, okay, yeah, but how do I do that? James tells us to be doers of the word and not hearers only, which is, again, oh, one of the reasons why James is one of my yeah, favorite uh, authors in the Bible, which means there's very much a practicality to living the Christian life. It's a very intentional kind of living. Many of these things should already be spiritual disciplines that are cultured into your life. But what I'm going to mention are seven ways that you can hear from the Lord. 
So we have where you can hear, you can hear from the Lord through prayer, through counsel, through circumstances, through conscience or wisdom, through divine intervention, and through peace. Uh, Through scripture, these are the, the ways I've identified that you can hear from the Lord. First, we have through the word. We should know the Bible if we are actively desiring to know God's will for us. Know what he's already told us. He's already made a lot of things pretty clear in the scripture. So if we were to really understand what God wants us to do, we should read what he's told us to do already. Read it. Study it. Memorize it. Meditate it. Know the word of God. It says in Psalm 119.99, I have more understanding than all my teachers, for I have studied your precepts, O Lord. It says in Romans 10.17, So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Psalm 86.11, Actually, I think that's the only one on there that I had. <laughs> uh, teach me your way, O Lord, and I will walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. Isaiah 30.21, your ears, your ears shall hear a word behind you, saying, this is the way, walk in it. In other words, I, I could keep uh, mentioning more and more scriptures of where knowing the word is very vital to a mature Christian, very important to one who is pursuing God's will. But these, these are a couple. God does reveal himself through the word. If you have a leading in a direction that is unscriptural, if you feel you need to go in this direction, whatever, and it's not scriptural, you know it's not from the Lord. It's very important to note that God will never violate his principles to accomplish his purposes. So if you know the word of God, you already have a head start in knowing right away, okay, what must I do? That can start with very simple things like, oh, hey, little old lady's trying to cross the street. Help her. No, your, your mom's bringing in groceries. Help her. You don't, you don't need to pray and ask God, okay, God, well, should, I, should I help my mother? This is, there, there's a, again, there's a very much a practicality to live in the Christian life. You don't need to ask God for every single thing that you need to do. When those are very simple examples I gave, but that works for even bigger things. The more you understand God's word, the more you understand his practical will, and the more you can immediately know what is right and what is wrong. You could also understand God's will through prayer. The life of a person dedicated to daily sacrificial surrender to the will of God is one who is in constant communion with him. Again, the life of a person dedicated to daily sacrificial surrender to the will of God is one who is in constant communion with him. Prayer is just one of those, I think, in my opinion, is one of the most practical ways where you can display a surrender to God. Any situation comes up, anything happens, praying just recognizes right off the bat, I don't know all the answers, and I can't make everything happen. In the end, God is the one who is ultimately in control of everything. So prayer is one of those very, very much practical ways where you can surrender. It says in Philippians 4, 6, to be anxious for nothing, but in everything, through thanksgiving and prayer, let your requests be made known to God. 
It says in Colossians 4, 2, continue earnestly in prayer and be vigilant in it. Ask God. If you are seeking God's will, it falls that you ask Him what is His will. Seems pretty common sense, but I feel, especially for me, a lot of times I just forget that very simple step. If I'm really trying to understand what God wants me to do, sometimes I forget to ask Him. But it makes sense. If you want to know what God wants you to do, ask Him. Pray specifically. This allows God to answer specifically and give no room for doubt or confusion. There's been many key points in my life deciding things about oh, work or school, moving up to Alaska, uh, moving up to Galena, all these very key points in my life where I would pray for very specific things, very practical things that God would have to do in order for me to understand that this is what God wanted me to do. And when God answered those prayers, it's like, okay, this is, this is what God wants. God is very clearly leading in this direction. We also understand the will of God through the leading of the Holy Spirit through prayer. Many times we don't know how to pray or what to pray for. It is normally through prayer that I hear this still small voice, the groanings that words cannot express. This can happen at any time in your life, any time throughout your daily life. But in my experience, that kind of interaction with the Holy Spirit with groanings that words cannot explain, this is through prayer oftentimes. We also can understand God's will through circumstances. God is sovereign over all things, and sometimes He will work things out to where something is now impossible or otherwise. You can also know God's will through conscious or wisdom. God does give us a conscious to understand okay, this, this is right, this is wrong. He does give you an intellect. He does give you a brain to kind of think things through common sense. Um, sometimes God does lead you in a direction that doesn't entirely make sense through man's wisdom. You have to understand that this is, again, this surrender to what God's will is. But this is another avenue that we can use to understand God's will. There are many things that we already know what God would have us to do. We don't need a step-by-step instructions. Again, an old lady falls down, you help her up. It says in Proverbs 14, 15, The simple believes every word, but the prudent considers well his steps. The, the Bible does teach that we do have intellect. God did give us a brain. We can understand what is right and wrong. There's also through divine intervention. Um, there's a, obviously a lot of different ways that um, this can come through. Leading of the Holy Spirit. Many times you'll hear the still small voice that words can't explain. Sometimes he will give words to others to speak to you. Many times this happens between spouses, especially to the wife. Uh, visions are also very common in some parts of the world. Um, the Holy Spirit works completely different in different people's lives. Sometimes in different regions as well. But this, this one's a very broad way that you can hear from the Lord. There are many different ways that the Holy Spirit will work. And it's completely different in every single person's life. There are many different interactions with God as there are Christians to interact with God. There are many, other, many ways that God reveals himself. And then we have, uh-oh, through peace. 
This peace God will give you if you are desiring to do His will. It says in Philippians 4, 7, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. If you do not have this peace, seek out if there is an area in your life that is unsubmitted to the Lord. You should not move forward in a direction if you do not have the peace from the Lord about it. Again, as we were stating earlier, we have... We're beginning in the stage of full surrender to God, which leads to a transformed mind. And out of that flows action that maintains growth. If you do not have peace, then this must not be from the Lord. You can even, again, back to the the point of prayer, you can ask for God's peace, make this your goal and no-go decision. Because... When you're abiding in God, when you're abiding in Christ, when you are desiring the things of God, when you desire the things of Christ, you will have peace, knowing that this is the will of God, if it is the will of God. This is something that He indeed promises, which, again, Philippians 4, 7, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. If you do not have the peace that passes all understanding when even when things may not make sense when things may not be going your way then this must not be from the Lord because if you are in full surrender in your transformed mind abiding in God you will have the peace knowing that this is what the Lord has for you and I think yeah the seventh one is through counsel somehow forgot to put that in my slides There are many you can turn to for advice who have more experience or are further along in their walk with the Lord and have spiritual responsibility for you. Take counsel with your pastor, parents, elders, those in direct authority over you, mentors. There are a lot of people who have a lot of experience in this Christian walk, even if you're older. There are people that have a different experience with God and they have learned different things from what God is teaching them and comparing notes and through counsel you can have a better understanding of the way how God works and the way how God may be working in your life. We read this in Proverbs eleven fourteen, where there is no counsel the people fail but in the multitude of counselors there is safety. We read this in Proverbs twelve fifteen. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes but he who heeds counsel is wise we can read this again in Proverbs 16, 1 through 33, or 19, 20, or, well, really all the book of Proverbs talks about, yeah, it's a good idea for you to seek counsel from other people. Many times, like again, it says in Proverbs, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? We've, <laughs> I have discovered um, in my experience that I am a master at deceiving myself between emotions and the ways that I think, it's very easy for you to deceive yourself. And so seeking the counsel of those around you who have a different understanding of the situation, a different view, different perspective, different experience, will help you stay in tune with God, will help you to understand the will of God. Pray with your counselors and ask them how you should be praying and preparing. God has given those spiritually authority over you to guide you in his purposes. Many times, this is where the practical direction is found, or at least clarified. 
again, in, in my experience, going to counselors, going to elders, going to um, people that have been mentors in my life has been an extremely practical way to understand Oh, actually, going to this school is a terrible idea that has nothing to do with what the training I'm looking for is. But this school, on the other hand, this is a good one. Like, oh, yeah, well, I, I didn't think of that. There's, there's a lot of practicality to seeking counselors out for understanding God's will. So to conclude here from Romans 12, 1-2 again, we're learning about how through surrendering yourself completely to God your mind will be transformed and you can understand the will of God Romans 12 1 through 2 I beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice holy acceptable to God which is your reasonable act of service and do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may be able to prove what is that good and perfect and acceptable will of God. There is great importance in surrendering to God, and we need to surrender completely to God, which is reasonable but hard. We are called to a greater standard of living, which will live because we cannot remain unchanged when given completely over to Christ. You can know the will of God. Abide in God's will. So that is what we learn from Romans 12, 1-2. Learning about a complete surrender to God, which leaves you very impacted, which leaves you changed, which leaves you so much more in love with God, so much more desiring the things of God, so much more wanting to please God and able to please God. Well, that is what I had prepared for today. I think we'll close in prayer and then we'll be dismissed for potluck and we can uh, move chairs and tables to do that. Lord God, I thank you for this day, this opportunity, this fellowship. I pray, God, that the things that you would have resonating in the hearts of those who hear would be the things that would take root and give action. I pray that anything that was of myself would be blown away and only your words words will remain. I pray, God, that you would add blessing and action to your words. In your name, Jesus. Thank you for joining us. We hope you've been blessed by the hearing of God's Word. Feel free to connect with us at www.galenabiblechurchak.com and subscribe to this podcast at iTunes or at galenamissions.podbean.com.